What's up, everybody? Welcome to Show Me the Meaning Wisecracks Movie Podcast. Show me, baby! Show me, baby! Show me, That's it. <laughs> My name is Jared. I'm joined here with the Wisecrack crew. We got Ryan. Subfilm fans. And Austin. Yo, 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 yo. Today, we're breaking down the 1999 film South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, directed by Trey Parker, starring Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Mary Kay Bergman. As always, we're going to go around and get people's first impressions of the movie. What was it like the first time you saw this movie, perhaps over 20 years ago? And what was it like revisiting it for this podcast? And if you do like the movie, what's your favorite song from the movie? Uh, let's start with Austin. Yeah, I haven't seen this literally since, like, 99. Um, I was I was not a huge South Park fan. So one of my best friends growing up, uh, I was actually, like, the best man in his wedding. I'm the godfather of his first son, Danny. Danny, if you're listening, I love you, brother. I miss you. Uh, he was a big fan of South Park, right? So he was the one that kind of got me into South Park, and he was the one that was really encouraging that we had to see this movie because it was uncut and all the swear words aren't going to be bleeped out, so we have to see it because we're fucking like, you know, teenagers at this point. So it's like, okay, cool, man, you know, fucking... 13-year-olds walking into this theater. Oh, and that's what we used to do. We And then this was like also the time when I was learning how to buy tickets for PG or PG-13 movies, but then you would sneak into the rated R film. So I don't remember which... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't remember which tickets, which is great because that's actually like emulated in the film, right? That they have to get an adult to buy them their tickets. So I don't remember which movie we bought tickets for. We bought tickets for something. We did this with Blair Witch Project too. I will, I will, I will fondly remember that. Um... And we watched the film, and it was just so over the top. It was everything we wanted it to be, you know, as, like, middle-class, white, yuppie, angsty. Like, he was also the guitar player in my punk band that I was in for, like, eight years that started shortly after this. So it was like, it just spoke to everything that we were. Like, fuck censorship and all of the parental advisory stickers. And I don't have much memory of Tipper Gore and stuff like that, but I do vaguely, 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 vaguely remember... This parental advisory thing being a debate at the time, I was probably just not socially attuned, you know? But so I remember it just spoke to pretty much all of our concerns. So rewatching this last night was actually, I was a little bit hesitant because I've become less interested in South Park over the years. Like I did. Blasphemy. Well, like I, I dip in, I dip in and out, right? Like I dip in and out, and and I'm and you I'm. Do you know like, you're talking to two of the hosts of Respect Our I know, Thorotod, I know. The number one South Park podcast on the internet. But also. if we were all just circle jerking, then this podcast would be super boring, wouldn't it? So <laughs> yeah, no, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, but no, so I haven't been like super into it. So like I dip in periodically, and when there's like a special episode that people talk shit about, or when there's something that we do on Wisecrack, I am like, okay, I I pay attention. And so I, you know, it's not like I'm ignorant of it, but I, like, haven't been up on it. So I was, like, a little hesitant rewatching this. Like, oh, is this going to be good? And I'll be honest, I laughed my fucking ass off. I thought it was really fucking funny. It was better than I remembered. It was better than I expected. I think there's lots of stuff to get into about the larger brand that is South Park. And we can talk about, like, what Parker and Stone are doing and if we think it's good, is it bad, is it overly cynical, etc. I think there's great information there. But in terms of a product, I think it's really fucking hilarious. It's really well made for what it is doing, and I really enjoyed watching it. All right, rock and roll. Favorite song, though. Oh, uh, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. 
Of course. <laughs> although, although the Classic. although the Brian Boitano song really does make my heart sing because I I dated a professional figure skater for a really long time, and so uh, like I, I'm I'm really into the figure skating world for a bit. So like that one also touches my soul a little bit as well. So, but the Uncle Fucker song because that's the one when I think about this movie, that's that's the song I think of, not the Blame Canada song or anything like that. Even though that was like the Oscar song, this shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker, because that's like the first time you hear them swear in this cartoon and that's like the moment where you're like oh, and even the kids are like wait what did he just say did he just say fuck and then all of a sudden they just go on this litany of swear words so i think that's why yeah all right ryan well i mean obviously jared we uh, i mean you know each other are as huge south park fans uh i this movie is basically about my life too because i had a very strict catholic mom wouldn't let me watch anything and it and I do think that it contributed to my personality. It, re- it, it really is exactly what happens to the South Park kids where they don't get to see anything. Then they go sneak off and see this bad movie. I was extra curious because I couldn't see anything. And then here I am. Look at me. And uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, to me, this is a perfect film. It's like so funny. Everything Austin said is true. Uh, uh, the songs are amazing. Incredible satire. And I feel like it's a perfect um, adaptation film or whatever you want to call it, like like in in, in the sense that uh, it, whenever you take a TV show and try to make a movie out of it, almost every time it sucks. To me, this is the perfect version of it. This is the <laughs> Terminator Two. If that's the perfect sequel, this is the perfect may you know adaptation of a TV show to a movie. Because I don't think you even have to be a South Park fan and be familiar with all the characters to really to get into the story, know what's going on, and because it is kind of an origin story in a way, which they're smart about. Uh, and the animation is amazing. It's better than your average South Park episode. I think it still holds up to this day. It's perfectly shitty in the right way, but also being really, uh, you know, there's a lot of dynamic 3D kind of animation stuff when they're going to hell and the war. And then the, the, the intro is incredibly well animated. And I just props to Matt Stone and Trey Parker, man. They're just geniuses. They, they're, they're almost, they're batting close to, as close to a thousand for as much output as they put out. Uh, than anyone else so I love this movie and my favorite you you stole my fucking answer you uncle fucker because I would have said <laughs> uncle fucker but I guess I'll, I'll go with uh, uh, the the eyes of a child that one's pretty funny or <laughs> yeah that is yeah wait eyes of a child which one is that I think that was in a, a even deleted or something but I, I, it'll come on my Spotify every once in a while and it cracks me up oh I was going to say, because I've seen this movie tens of times, and I don't remember the Eyes of a Child song. Um, yeah, so I saw this movie when it first came out in theaters. I was in, like, fourth grade or something like that, and my dad took me to see it because, uh, you know, none of the other kids in school were allowed to see it, and I felt so privileged that my dad was willing to take me in. I remember going to see it with my dad and my sister and my sister's friend, and holy shit, we just were laughing our asses off the whole time all 80 something minutes of this movie that's another thing i love about this movie is how tight it is there's not a single wasted scene in this movie it is just so tight uh i think this is the best america one of the best american musicals ever produced i think this is the best american music amen say what i just said amen jared yeah i was agreeing one of the best american musicals the best american musical since singing in the rain i i imagine I imagine like someone like Stephen Sondheim watching this movie in 
a movie theater and like him acting feeling like Salieri from Amadeus looking at Trey Parker like he's some sort of Mozart figure just saying that you know this person is so enormously talented as if he was uh, given a gift from God and yet he seemingly quote-unquote squanders it on fart jokes and toilet humor but I yeah and I agree with Ryan this is the best TV to movie adaptation I mean, with a show that's been on for 20 years, over 20 years, and has been as successful as it hit, as it has, you would think that they would make more than one movie. But I'm glad they haven't because they nailed it the first time. I mean, once once they get canceled for doing whatever it is that they get canceled for, they'll probably make another one, right? Doubt it. They're, they're, they're going to be doing different shit. You think? think. You, like, they don't do, like, one send-off that's like, okay, finally we pushed the envelope and you canceled us. Here's our big fuck you to everybody. I can see him doing more more stuff like they're doing tomorrow or the next day where they're doing the pandemic special, like doing kind of made-for-TV movies-esque, mm. like Imagination Land. I can see them doing that more, but I don't know about a feature film. That's a whole... I think they are pretty burnt out on that, is from, from what, what I gather. Mm. My guess is that they are more interested in video games being the future of South oh. Park because they don't have to worry about actors they don't have to worry about any kind of distribution. They make probably more money. And the South Park video games are awesome. I've played both of them three times. They're <laughs> so good. Um, I just don't... There's. I know all the songs in this movie by heart. The reason why we chose this as my last uh, pod for Show Me the Meaning is because it's just a movie that I love talking about and I just love to watch. Because I was thinking about, like, okay, what should we do for my last episode? And I was thinking, well, you know, Austin brought up Solaris. We can maybe do that. That would be an interesting <laughs> movie to go <laughs> out boring on. But, one but yeah, yeah, who the fuck wants to watch two and a half hours of Solaris when you can watch 82 minutes of the South Park movie? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Real quick, I do so, want to interject. Patricio from the chat said, uh, "The Eyes of a Child" song is the song that plays over the closing credits. There you go. Oh, okay. I yeah. thought the closing credits was like a rock and roll rendition of what would Brian Boitano do? But maybe, maybe that's it's, like after. Yeah, maybe it's after that. Yeah, you yeah, watched yeah. it ten times, Jerry, but you haven't watched the entire credits. You know, I'm not a credits oh, guy. Like, stolen thing, valor. Stolen there's valor. A thi- <laughs> there's a thing in L.A. where people sit through the entire credits uh-huh. as to show respect for people they may know on the screen. But I don't really fuck with that. I'm just like, all right, movie's over. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure your name's up there. Thank you. Right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's go into a recap. So Stan Cartman, Kyle, and Kenny are swearing up a storm after seeing the new Terrence and Phillip movie Asses of Fire, causing outrage among concerned mothers in South Park. When Kenny accidentally kills himself recreating a lighting a fart on fire stunt from the movie, he's sent to hell to spend eternity with Satan and his abusive lover, Saddam Hussein. In response, the mothers of South Park blame Kenny's death and their children's behavior on Canada, taking their case all the way to Washington, D.C., after coaxing the U.S. military to incarcerate Terrence and Philip, Canada bombs the Baldwin residence, causing Broflowski and the Clinton administration to declare war on Canada. Ever the potty mouth, Cartman is made the test subject of an experimental technology known as the V-chip, which gives an electronic shock every time an obscenity is uttered. This, combined with Stan's need to impress Wendy by getting political, inspires the boys to unite all the kids in town to free Terrence and Philip before their public execution. Meanwhile in hell, Kenny learns that Terrence and Philip's death will fulfill a prophecy that will bring Satan and Saddam Hussein to Earth, ushering in thousands of years of darkness. The boys free Terrence and Philip, but Sheila and the rest of the moms meet them on the battlefield, and despite Kyle's pleas to stop his mom, Sheila kills Terrence and Philip. 
Saddam and Satan descend on Earth to enslave everyone, but when Saddam starts belittling Satan, Kenny tells Satan that he has to stand up for himself. Tired of Saddam's manipulation and inspired by Kenny, Satan kills Saddam and grants Kenny a single wish. Kenny wishes for everything to go back to normal like it was before the war. So all the casualties of the war are revived, the mothers have a new perspective on censorship, and Kenny flies off to heaven end of movie. <laughs> Alright guys, before we continue, I want to give a shout out to Storyblocks for sponsoring this episode. Storyblocks is the complete stock solution for creators and businesses who need to license assets. With an unlimited plan, you can receive access to thousands of photos, videos, audio clips, and project templates. Licensing a standalone video or music track can be quite expensive and sometimes more than your budget allows. With Storyblocks, you can download, test, and use any clips you need, all for the subscription price. It's great because once you download an asset, it's yours to keep forever, regardless of your subscription status. Storyblocks is constantly updating their library, so there are always new assets to use. Find out more about Storyblocks subscriptions by going to storyblocks.com wisecrack, link in the show notes, and now back to the show. All right, well, I think we should start this off by just talking about, oh, one thing I forgot to mention, my favorite song is actually up there, it's the song that Satan sings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like the fucking Disney princess, uh, 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 what is it, the Little Mermaid song, basically, right? It's like Little Mermaid mixed with Hunchback of Notre Dame <laughs> when, he's, when he out sings there. Out There. Out There, yeah. right, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So let's just talk about uh, the obvious, the meta-narrative going, going on here. So in the film, the kids see Terrence and Philip Asses of Fire, a film based on a TV show of the same name that is known for foul language and potty humor, but the movie version features much more profane language. Similarly, the audience sees South Park Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, a film based on the TV show of the same name that is known for foul language and potty humor. But in the movie version, the language is far more profane. And um, the absurd outrage that the parents experience in the film brilliantly reflects the reactionary outrage that is that the show has been criticized for since it began but also anticipates the audience's reaction to the obscene R-rated language that they had not previously seen in the show. I mean, I very much was like Stan, Cartman, Kyle, and Kenny when I watched this movie. I mean, mm -hmm. some of the parts I remember laughing at the most when I saw this movie in third or fourth grade or whatever is the hilarious mixes of curse words like testicle shitting rectal wart or ass ramming uncle fucker. Like, the, the things that these kids will just pull out like it's uh <laughs> like it's like the ultimate one up and uh those are the things like i would call my friends it was amazing how how con uh how insightful the movie was and how it anticipated how kids would react wait a second to the are movie. you saying that you were influenced by this movie to call your friends names and you corrupt I, you were corrupted by this movie is that what you're saying i kind i kind of was but at the end of the day <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, it doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck. fuck. <laughs> Jared! Oh, my God. What <laughs> yeah. are people watching this? And, and another thing about this movie is that not only is the movie hilarious, not only does it, it promises, it, it gives you what it promises, which is more obscenity, more of the gross-out humor that everyone comes to uh, understand the show for. It's uncut, but it also just nails its place in popular culture and what it represents mm. and and um, really addresses all the criticisms leveled at it in such a entertaining, 
insightful, brilliant way. And I think that whenever you make a movie, you know, a movie is supposed to be kind of like this monolithic thing. If you make a like one movie that is supposed to be the elevated experience of experiencing South Park, this show that's gone on for 20 years. Yes, there's a show, but there's also a movie. And the movie is supposed to be this monolithic experience that encompasses everything that the TV show stood for, but it communicates it to you in 82 minutes. And I think that this movie does it brilliantly. And as much as the show has evolved over the last 20 years, it still is, it still brilliantly comments on the show's place in common in in contemporary culture what is what is the show's place do you think Uh, well i i i love it because because i was just coming out to comment on what you just said because this movie came out at the perfect time in the show's evolution right because it was it was at the height of its popularity and there had been a bunch of what news cycles of 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 people of of i guess christian organizations getting mad at it and stuff thinking that it's corrupting the children so they kind of really were striking while the iron's hot on that whole in terms of that whole thing if if they made this movie right now it, uh, South Park, as much as I still love it, it's not in the zeitgeist as, as much, and it's kind mm-hmm. of everyone's seen that, been there, done that kind of thing. And I think that they comment on that in the seasons now in a great way because basically the, they'll have entire shows. Uh, I forget exactly which ones, but it's basically the, the the gist of it is: Does anyone give a shit about this? We could, you know, things are mm-hmm. reality is crazier than a South Park episode, basically. So what the fuck are we doing? Where is our place? They kind of have been going through an existential crisis in the last couple of seasons. So I like how they've evolved the meta narrative and what they do. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think that this movie came out at the perfect time. So then let me ask you this. Do you think are people worn out with the shtick or do you think that there's just – because there's never going to be a lack of resources for South Park to comment on, right? Like this hour-long special that's airing tomorrow or Thursday, whatever whatever day it is, wherever you are around the world, um, is going to be on the whole COVID pandemic, right? Which you sure – they're sure going to mix in the irreverent – well, actually, it's not going to be mixed in. It's just going to be entirely irreverent across the board, right? So there's not an – there's never going to be an endless supply of material for them to satirize. So oh, do you think – sure. I think yeah, there is. You think there will be? Well, yeah, the life is of is they have done a great job of adapting with the times, in my in my opinion. And also, I feel like the first couple seasons were not as current event focused and stuff. And now they've really mm. gotten into the groove of commenting on whatever is happening at the time. So, I've, uh, arguably, it's more relevant when it's ha- like literally when the show is airing week to week. It's like a relevant show. You're kind of like, okay, what, what are they going to say about what's happening right now? But then you watch those seasons, you know, a couple years later, and they're not as relevant, obviously, like anything. Yeah. Um, so I and, and yeah, I think it's just like like any show on their twentieth season, people get the shtick, but it's still the the the, the core fans love it. Unlike a yeah. Simpsons, which has definitely died off in quality and viewers over time. Right. To answer your, to answer your question, Austin. Sorry, what was the? It was the question was what is their place in in contemporary culture? Yeah, I guess. Uh. One of the reasons why I revere the show so much, not only because I think the writing is great, not only because I think, I mean, Trey Parker is an uh, amazing talent with his songwriting and his uh, sense of humor and his voice acting. There's that. But there's also the fact that South Park has this hall pass that (laughs) they can pretty much do anything. The only thing that they've ever been told they couldn't do was show Muhammad on screen, which ironically they had already done. They had already done that, yeah. yeah. a couple seasons earlier, but in general, they 
have a thing where it's not just that Comedy Central is allowing them to do these things. It's that if ever they say something that's so outrageously offensive, no one's really going to care. In the Six Days to Air documentary, Trey Parker puts it really well. He says that, you know, no one is going to go to the water cooler at work and say, oh my God, did you see what South Park did last night? It's so offensive. Because people will say, yeah, it's just South Park. I mean, that's what they do. Mm. There's no other show on the air that has that same hall pass that ability you know it's like the mel brooks thing like mel brooks mel brooks is allowed to make blazing saddles and make other kinds of off-color humor that perhaps hasn't aged as well but people at least i think i don't i could be wrong about this people are still allowed to publicly think that blazing saddles is funny even though a white jewish guy wrote it where and uh i think that south park has that similar privilege of being able to criticize anything where it's race relations politics anything and they'll get away with it you know because they're south park and the reason why it's so dear to me is because i don't know if hall passes like that are being given out anymore and so i i think it's it's important for matt and trey to cling on to that and keep making episodes just to have that voice exist in the world I definitely agree with that, that last part. I, I would push back, though, on on that they get a total hall pass. Like, it, it is a little ironic to me that at the beginning of the show, uh, every all the critics were basically, yeah, these evangelical types who were worried about the children, right? And then a bunch of people that the show was for were being like, all right, fuck you. Uh, and now I, I, I've heard, I've seen a ton of pushback on South Park and, like, think pieces and stuff in terms of why it's quote-unquote problematic you know and so from the left so it's kind of like that which you would think is what the part a big part of the audience uh uh and so that's kind of a uh, interesting cultural shift i mean have you not seen that jared like people uh that's partly why that's partly why i came in with some apprehension because i have read so many think pieces let's say since 2015 um when they really started to confront like microaggressions and pc culture and stuff like that so many sort of um reactive responses from quote liberal left progressive types that have been very outraged at how irreverent south park is right and so that's part of the reason I came in with some apprehension. I was like, oh, fuck, like, because I haven't seen much of the show, right? I've only dipped in periodic. So I'm like, is it is the show, like, from my memory, is it some sort of, like, scourge on society that is, like, shucking progressive norms and is, like, some sort of evil thing? Or is it, like, uh, someone just said in the chats, Jared1999, shout out. Uh, he said, South Park will save the world, I believe. So is there something like that we need this kind of irreverence and this sort of like cynicism to all institutions? And so I came in with exactly that kind of I didn't know. And that's what that, that was the lens that I watched this film through. And I don't know that I would say South Park will save the world. But I do think that there is something to say about needing more of those, quote, hall passes, needing more artistic freedom without having to constantly triangulate through the gatekeepers of what art can do and how art can be um, expressive. Absolutely. So so one of the things that's, I think, special about the show is that, yes, I am aware of some of these think pieces and I am aware of some of the criticisms about that, but so are they. And they're also totally. very, very uh, self-reflective in some of the episodes of the most recent seasons. So there's actually... 
one episode that is kind of a reverse of the South Park movie. They actually take the structure of the movie and some key scenes of the movie and they invert it to where now instead of, uh, this was in season 22, instead of Kyle's mom blaming Canada, it's now Kyle who blames Canada. And basically it's meant to be that Trey and Matt are now saying, fuck, you know, we look at the world around us. By the way, they, I mean, they like, they hate Trump. They shit on Trump constantly in the last couple of seasons. And they look around the world and all of its problems and like, you know, the rise of the alt-right and all that stuff. And they do point the finger at themselves and say, maybe we caused this. We don't really know uh, what to do about it. And I, and, and you know, there are other things like people have criticized the show for trivializing global warming. Well, they also addressed that when they had the return of Man, Bear, Pig, and Al Gore in season, I believe, 22. Um, and where, you know, Man, Bear, Pig becomes real and all the kids in South right. Park feel like doofuses and Al Gore is right. So I appreciate that, you know, they are uh, conscious of this. They work it in, I think, rather brilliantly and hilariously into their work. There's also, like, many seasons ago in their Honey Boo Boo episode... Uh, called uh, Raising the Bar, they actually point when they, basically the end question of the episode is looking at television like Honey Boo Boo saying, how did shit get this bad? And then at the end, Kyle says, you know, maybe we raised the bar, or we lowered the bar so much to where we just kind of <laughs> created this arms race of crass mm. content. And so that's another thing I really appreciate about the show, because if it was just throwing the middle finger up in the air to everyone without any sense of conscience or any sense of self-reflection. I don't think it would be as special as it is. Yeah, can I can I just if if I'm going to also now play the uh the caricature of myself that we have branded me as the problematic uh voice, yeah, yeah. right? Um there is an element of the show that is problematic. You know, the bit where Cartman is in blackface for a second. Um there are things, but the question is is what does the word problematic entail? And the idea is that it's meant to say that there are certain cultural expressions that we think ought not to be that way. Now, it depends on how you police that. Right? Because now I'm using language like ought and should, which are all ethical, sort of like morally loaded terms. So the question is, is when you have a hall pass, is there an artistic responsibility that you have when you have people who are so influenced by what it is that you're producing? What is that artistic responsibility? And then should the artist constantly, and I like what you said, how they are self-reflective and they're aware. That means that they are showing that they're aware of a responsibility that they have as this like very big, uh, like having this big soapbox. But then that's the question is, is should people just simply bow down to and subjugate themselves to institutional pressures? Or is there a, some sort of like weird struggle like this tension this dialectic between freedom but then also recognizing a sort of social responsibility and maybe the maybe the series is learning and over the course of 23 seasons that yeah they're going to make some quote problematic mistakes and then they're going to try to correct them and then they're going to fall back into the problematic ditch and then for me that's what's interesting about the product is that it's able to kind of like uh, navigate through those stormy seas, whereas a lot of artistic output doesn't even attempt to navigate that difficult dialectic. And what I wonder is, is what is the role then of like responsibility and, and social production and all of these other things that are coming together? And do South Park sort of say, fuck you to that, and they're just totally cynical because they're like, fuck you to all norms? Or is there something kind of cool that they're doing? Does that make sense? You know? I, I would say the last like four seasons have 
all been about this journey of looking inwards and trying yeah. to and, and trying to fight this nihilism that other people accuse them of and they in a sense accuse themselves of mm. and um again i mean it being problematic um i mean look i'm i'm jewish and like it definitely has the most <laughs> anti-semitic comedy or anti-Semitic jokes or anti-Semitic jabs than any other show on television that I can think of. But you allow it. Um, like, you're cool with it. Sure. You love of it. Of course. You don't just allow I, it. You love <laughs> it. I, I love it, yeah. Yeah. Um, having said that, you know, it's Cartman is certainly not the voice of reason in the show. I think the show is responsibly structured in that it has characters like Stan and Kyle who are more the voice of reason. And Cartman is obviously this narcissistic psychopath that uh, we're not supposed to identify with as the moral center of the show. And I think that throughout the seasons, and most uh, most notably in the last couple seasons, I think they've been questioning whether or not that's actually been effectively communicated, or if people really are latching onto Cartman and looking at him as some sort of moral exemplar, which is scary, but I would much rather them, you know... It's funny, like, I... I'm about to say something. I, I'm about to say I'd much rather them do it and then apologize later, but yeah. that's the exact ethos that I criticize Silicon Valley for that I absolutely hate is like, you know, the uh, just do it and then apologize later. But for some reason, when it comes to content and freedom of expression and comedy, I'm more willing to allow people to just go buck wild. Mm. Yeah, Austin, to answer your question, I, I'm on. I'm firmly on the fence of of they have little to no responsibility <laughs> of mm. uh, that, that you're talking about. But I, there's there. The good thing is, is that they're smart and they're good people. Uh, you can, t I think in my opinion, you can tell from the show, I think, and just how they, they deal with these uh, serious issues. But most importantly to the problematic question, uh, uh, this show is designed obviously to be obscene and, and problematic from the get go. Yeah. And, and, to, and in my mind, that is a very cathartic human uh, human nature thing that you like, like people like to laugh at themselves and other people. And uh, even if it's fucked up and mean, and that's a long tradition and, and, and mankind, and I don't think it's going to stop. And it, it, it's, it's, and people policing that I think has had a, a, a backlash effect that leads, I think to like stuff like Donald Trump and whatever, yeah. you know, I'm not blaming or it on that. In in the in the context of the film, that leads to war with Canada, a really loving, peaceful fucking nation, right? right? So here's yeah. here's here's my question, like, and this is directly related to the film now. So there's a sense in which they're also being serious, right? They're like, look, when you are stupid, it leads to stupid results, right? Stupid consequences, and they're clearly saying that the parents and censorship is stupid. And what does that lead to? Well, the, it's like an argumentum ad absurdum. It leads to fucking war because you can just simply demonize. You can just simply objectify the other that is the bad. And then you can justify anything you do like going to war and killing millions of people because you're on the side of good and they're on the side of evil. And so it's a really easy way. And they're saying that's stupid. Here's my question though. That's serious. And that's a, a really important critique. But does the trivializing of that by making it something that is kind of silly and by just saying that they're stupid, does that not and, – and this is literally – I'm just asking this question open-ended. Like I don't have an answer here, right? Does that trivialize the severity of what critique could be by just reducing it to they're stupid? And what I, what I am thinking of in, in asking this question is 
has the discourse, because it's so much of like The Daily Show and South Park and all of these kind of like irreverent comedies and satires, they basically just critique something that we see that might be better better critiqued as being evil or wrong or something along those lines, but we just say it's stupid. So like constantly you hear people on like the fucking Young Turks, like you hear Jank just freaking out about how dumb Donald Trump is. And I'm like, bro, nobody cares. I mean, maybe a bunch of people who like the Young Turks can pat themselves on the back because like, ah, we're the smart ones and Donald Trump and the Republicans are the dumb ones. But to me, that doesn't really seem like a very useful form of engagement or social critique. So what I wonder is, is South Park almost kind of lowering the bar, you used that that term earlier, Jared, is it lowering the bar of how we can critique by just simply trivializing it through the language of stupidity, or is it good? Is it like when something is so fucking ridiculous and evil, all you can do is laugh at it and say how stupid it is? Like, is that good? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that they're not coming. It's South Park's not Hamlet or something where they're coming at it like this is going to change people's hearts and minds. I think that they're coming at it from the low bar of this is a stupid cartoon with fart jokes. <laughs> but oh, wow, there's actually something to it. There's substance to it. You you got to look below the surface, look below the fart joke, and you'll see what they're actually saying with this stupid cartoon. So I, I think that that and I think that that's powerful stuff. I, and I not, not everything needs to have that weight that I think you're describing um so yeah all right guys before we go any further i want to give a shout out to our sponsors over at skillshare so it's been over six months we're all stuck inside one thing you can do to keep your mind limber and keep yourself from going insane is to learn some new skills that's where skillshare comes in if you're looking to explore new skills or get inspired or deepen your existing passion skillshare is an online learning community where you can explore and discover thousands of classes on a wide variety of topics like graphic design productivity creative writing film and video freelancing and more and i want to emphasize the community aspect because during quarantine finding a group of people online who share the same interests as you can be really rewarding because meeting people in real life is hard these days so if you're looking for classes to take i recommend uh, filmmaking from home how to turn found footage into a compelling video by penny lane taught by penny lane penny is a non-fiction filmmaker her most recent doc was hail satan and she'll teach you how to take found footage and edit it into something compelling when you compare skillshare to expensive in-person workshops or night classes it is quite affordable an annual subscription is less than 10 bucks a month and right now they're offering the first 1000 show me the meaning listeners a free trial of skillshare premium membership all you got to do is go to skillshare.com slash SMTM stands for Show Me the Meaning. So you can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SMTM. And the first thousand people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. And now back to the show. Uh, all right. So I'm sorry, Austin. I, I had something that I wanted to I wanted to respond to your question. Can you restate it briefly? Yeah. I'm just wondering if kind of reducing the argument to they're just stupid rather than they're evil or they're bad or that there are other ethics that we ought to live by does that kind of does that kind of serve a, a does that negatively kind of serve what critique could do because it just reduces it it just it, it reduces the seriousness of like it like in the, in the movie saying that the mothers are stupid because they're not taking personal responsibility for what their child children see yeah. or um you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I, uh, on one level, I appreciate when people do this through narrative much more than I appreciate when people do it in something like The Daily Show, where it's literally just, you know, like, here's a Republican talking point, 
cut to John Stewart making a funny face and being sarcastic about <laughs> right. it. You know, like <laughs> right. like that that I don't think I've never been a big fan of the Daily Show. I'm not really a fan of of that kind of uh, criticism. I do think by veiling it within a narrative, it elevates it a little bit, but I see what you're saying. And I also think that South Park has a very unique sense of irony and sarcasm. Like, uh, I'm reminded of the episode uh, where they have Tiger Woods and they're playing the new Tiger Woods PGA golf game, but the game that you're playing is his wife beating him up for cheating on him. And all throughout the episode, there's all these people who are trying to figure out, like scientists, heads of industry, all these people are bringing their heads together and trying to figure out why is it that rich men want to have sex with a lot of women. <laughs> and, um, you know, like, and, and then, uh, you know, it, it's, it's sarcastic, it's absurd, but it does... Uh, it does highlight perspectives in society that, uh, in a clever way, that we don't often hear. You know, we don't often yeah. hear people talking about, like, hey, you know, we're guys. And maybe, like, there's a character in that episode that says, hey, you know what, we're guys. And maybe, you know, if you were, uh, if we were as successful and rich as these people, we might uh, react similarly. And then, you know, yeah. someone says, there's a turd in the punch bowl, but, um, <laughs> right. Well, I think, I, does that answer your yeah, question yeah, at all? Yeah. And you know what I'm, I'm thinking? It kind of does. Yeah. And, and one of the things I'm thinking too, is in this film, one of the big contradictions that they're trying to point out is like, Oh my God, you're policing us saying the word fuck and ass in cock or whatever it is that we're saying. But yet at the same time, the MPA is totally cool with people getting fucking murdered all the time. Right. So like death and mutilation yeah. and things like that, those things are acceptable. Uh, bombing a country, uh, just for maybe kind of like silly uh, geopolitical positioning or economic interests, that's good. That's on the side of good. But we, a cartoon, if we bleep out the word fuck, all of a sudden everyone's freaking out and we're corrupting the youth. But the late night news that is free that is accessed by everybody is viewed as like some sort of patriotic responsibility when it's on the side of the good, if it's advocating the invasion and destruction of other cultures leading to the deaths of other lives. And that's, I think, a huge point that they're trying to make, right? Is they're trying to show through hypocrisy critique kind of what the issue, uh, kind of like what some of the like fundamental contradictions are, if you will, of American society and American culture and kind of like American public concern. And I think that is a really important point that they're making. I think it's also worth mentioning that I don't think this movie, this would not have been the movie version of South Park if it wasn't for Columbine, because Columbine was, I think, the big event in which people were actually blaming South Park for the actual manifestation of, like, violence and murders. And I think that Trey and Matt, having grown up in Colorado, and I think that Matt went to a school, if not Columbine, one somewhere of them, close to them. One of them took his SATs in the Columbine cafeteria. Yeah, okay, that might have been Matt then, because I know Matt is in Bowling for Columbine. Okay. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, had that not happened, I don't think they would have had to react so strongly to what they were being accused of, because... But wait, I, I, I thought that the... I mean, Columbine happened in 99, too, I thought. So yeah, they would have been like making April. this movie way before. 
Oh, is that right? Yeah, it, yeah. it, it was April of 99 that it happened, but there's definitely some confluence, um, and I think that the film came out a few months after, so I don't know if there were edits. I mean, it, it, it was kind of serendipitous or coincidental, but nevertheless, there's definitely a sort of convergence there. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the whole censorship wars had been raging on since the mid-80s, right? And then, um, like, fucking Marilyn Manson was really one of the big targets after Columbine, but that's just because he was a target for ages, even though... The Matrix the, was a huge one, too. Was it? Yeah, any, anything that, like, Trench anything jokes. that could scapegoat the responsibilities or scapegoat the real contradictions that, that, that drive people to these levels of despair, anything that is, like, an easy out that would fit some sort of political agenda was used by a lot of these, these forces. So even though the film may not have been, like, made because of the Columbine events, it was coming out of a lot of like kind of similar concerns that the Columbine event also sparked, you know, with regards to censorship. And I don't know, I guess this leads to my, my big question. Like, is there a place for any kind of censorship? Should, should there be any kind of censorship whatsoever? You know, Not really nothing. So nothing in my, in my a, opinion. Yeah. Unless it's at calling for violence, you know, or, Stuff like that. That crosses the line, obviously. Yo, so then here's the... Like, should we fucking censor the news that's showing fucking invasion... Like, or, or like, invasions of, of cities and, and like... Uh, you mean just for, like, graphic uh, uh, images warnings? Yeah, graphic images warnings. Um, I mean, usually usually news does a pretty good job of saying you are about to see something graphic. But I, yeah, at yeah. least, like, when you're on Twitter and shit, it's kind of hard. You're, like, going down and, like, oh, my God, I just saw someone die. I was just scrolling. Yeah, that's fucking gross. Fuck. I know. I just, but I've like, seen, like, a lot of people die lately. It sucks. Me too. It fucking sucks, man. Um, Yeah, those images, they, they get burned into our brains, right? But then but then I wonder, so, like, like Avengers movies, and I think we've talked about this before. Like, right. fucking whole cities are destroyed. Thousands and thousands and thousands of lives are lost. But it's, like, it's almost, like, euphemistically, right? It's... It's you don't really see the heads exploding and the fucking glass shattering and cutting their faces. You just see a building fall down and it's like, oh, there were 10,000 people in there. And it's like, oh, well, then we must do what we have to do to save the world. And it's like, motherfucker, 10,000 people or 100,000 people or half the world's population were just fucking eliminated. But it's fun and it's it's just totally trivialized because it's in the context of uh, a product that is – I don't know, like acceptable because it's Disney or some shit like that. And I think that's one of the things that this film is kind of like in a way, even though it came out well before that, in a way targeting, right? It's saying like we're saying the word fuck, but yet you guys are constantly pushing out products that are violent, that are imperialistic, that have no care or concern at all for any sort of sanctity of human life, if there is such a thing as a sanctity of human life. And that's the issue that I think the film is really trying to target is that contradiction. And then what do we do with that is the question. You know, do we then, do you censor on the other side and say, well, we can't have you know, like easy access to films where like people's heads are exploding. Like, I don't know, like fucking awesome. Total Recall. <laughs> I, I, I think they're saying that just like point your blame in a different direction. Yeah. But I don't think they're necessarily calling for violence to be censored. This is why I have, uh, if you don't like it, turn it off tattooed across my back Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what's well, funny? Uh, like, okay. I, I, I would say South Park for me is like 
knowing Ryan and sort of like the the, the bit that we we've been together for what three years now doing this podcast it's almost a while man yeah I like four. I if you would have told me like what is the cultural product that speaks most to Ryan's soul I would a hundred percent have said South Park <laughs> all right I like where your head's at yeah. Lately, that's been the answer for me. I mean, I've been watching South Park a lot lately. I mean, you know, they got 300 episodes, so by the time I've seen them all, I've forgotten the ones I started with at the beginning. Do you think it's because uh, you're fatigued with, like, what we could call, like, uh, institutional control with, with you know, political correct culture? And do you think that— Yeah, you know, and I'm like, I'm like on, I'm like a Zizekian when it comes to, like, really, like, uh, off-color humor, you know, like, when Zizek talks about how, like, racist jokes kind of create intimacy and stuff like that, I mean, like, I kind of, you know, like, there was a lot of, like, racial humor and anti-Semitic humor that was leveled at me when I was in middle school and elementary school, and it was just honestly something that I thought brought us together in a kind of obscene way. Um, but yeah, I guess my question to you, Austin, is, like, wh- I mean, if you were, like, you know, the grand censorship the the head of the grand censorship bureau and in our next dystopian you know fascist I'm government stalin. i'm stalin in the in the future yeah you're you're st- yeah you're stalin in the future <laughs> would you censor south park yeah no 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 but but here's the thing i'm also very aware that i am comfortable um just one in my life i've had a very privileged life and i'm not trying to say like oh white privilege i'm saying yo i'm a middle class yuppie from orange county my life has been fucking good yeah i've had personal shit personal tragedies my mom was fucking her grand my grandma's paranoid schizophrenic grandpa died on my mom's lap when she was 12 was raised by a single mother yeah i had some shit but i was made to feel like a prince so my life has been very 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 comfortable relative to a lot of other people so what i wonder is 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 there not a sense in which i'm speaking from that level of comfort where like something can quote offend me but i can deal with it in a way that is kind of like i'm very nonchalant and i kind of touch the world lightly so it doesn't impact me as much as somebody whose identity is wrapped up in this thing that is being lampooned. And so then that's my question is, is not should we censor it, but how is there a larger sense of social responsibility where we can where we can develop the tools to navigate um, what happens when you feel offended? What happens when somebody lampoons you? What happens when somebody directly attacks that identity? And then even bigger questions like, what happens when a political system is structured to make it so that your life and the thing that you are doesn't have franchise or has less franchise, has less access to the privilege that somebody like me is able to to benefit from, even in the sense of just having a safety net of comfort, knowing that my family is always there. I've got a wonderful network behind me. Some tragedy were to strike me and I had to lose both of my legs, knock on wood, you know, like I wouldn't just be left floating out in the sea, um, you know, with with no help whatsoever. Right. So that's what I wonder is, is what what can we do to ask these bigger questions? And I think censorship is um, a, a solution, a bad solution to a larger set of problems. And because censorship is just an easy dismissal, it's an easy way of scapegoating, of blaming, these are the bad words, those are the bad people, and it's always filtered through a lens of, like, power interests, right? So, like, when Tipper Gore and them 
are, are trying to impose censorship, they're doing it in the name of the Republican moral values that, again, like this town in South Park at the beginning of the movie, it's this nice Christian town and it's this idyllic, you know, country society. It's fucking Arcadia, you know? It's this perfect, like prelapsarian Edenic state and then all of a sudden the bad word comes in. So it's like that's the issue is what are the power relations that are structuring how we even ask these questions in the first place? That would that would be my concern. So to sum it up, if I were the Stalin, no, I wouldn't censor it, but hopefully our fucking world would be structured in such a way that people wouldn't have they wouldn't have that level of attack um thrust upon them in the first place. Fucking totally naive so, utopian. So maybe but. you would have like mandatory media, <laughs> media analysis re-education camps, and then you can yeah. watch South. Yeah, Park. yeah. Every, 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 everyone is uh, is a part of a wisecrack. That's right. Wisecracks are just ubiquitous, and so everyone can navigate those fields. and And really, it's about giving people voice, right? And and giving people power. That's the, one of the messy things about democracy. And and if everyone is supposed to have a voice, but then you start to realize that there is an asymmetry, and people don't actually have. Uh, the capacity to um, exercise that right, that that putative formal right of democracy and free speech, then what happens? And so I think that's the larger set of concerns that a product like South Park can unveil. And that's why I think censorship is really ultimately a bad solution because it's just used and wielded by certain power interests. So that's the problem. All right, guys, before we go into the mailbag, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors over at Shudder. So Shudder is the world's premier streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder is scary all year round, but they like to be extra for Halloween. So this year, they're turning 31 days of Halloween into 61 days, a two-month celebration of their favorite season featuring weekly original and exclusive movie premieres. So some of the, they've got awesome classics like Halloween, Hellraiser, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as well as some exclusives. Membership, you get unlimited access to stream ad-free on any of their listed devices uh, for $5.99 a month or $56.99 for a year. They've got Nick Cage movies like Mandy. That's the one I want to talk about. Uh, we've covered it on this podcast. Fuck yeah. It was uh it was Jacob's favorite movie of that year. It's fucking amazing. I recommend watching this movie on Shudder and then listening to our Show Me the Meaning on it because we geeked out hardcore on it. Uh, they've also got uh, Nick Cage's newest sci-fi movie, Color Out of Space, uh, which I also saw. I actually saw it in um, in the theaters back when theaters I, I were a those. thing. I remember those. I remember those, I miss yeah. them so much. <laughs> so get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes titles like the acclaimed Tigers Are Not Afraid, One Cult of the Dead, Revenge, and the Creep Show TV series produced by Greg Nicotero and based on the famous films by George Romero. So try Shudder free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com and use the promo code SHOWME. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and promo code SHOWME. All right, well, I was going to go into the mailbag, but I think Austin wanted to take this in a little bit of a different direction. So what do you think, Austin? First of all, I just want to say that in our chats right now, you would cry at the love that you've been getting. Like, millions of yeah, people. Yeah, I, prob I probably would. I know. Um, I just want to say, like, from my perspective, um, like, I hope you, and I'm sure you know this, but I hope you realize how many lives you have literally changed. Like, For I'm, real, man. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I'm... Like, sometimes people say things, you know, like, oh, the Justin Bieber album changed my life. And a lot of it's rhetoric, unless somebody was, like, maybe, like, depressed or suicidal or something like that, and it somehow affected them in a positive way. But literally, Jared, like, by teaching people how to think critically 
and by giving them resources to empower themselves and to navigate this like really fucking complex world, um, you're, you've literally impacted people in a way that I, I don't think is quantifiable. And so I, I tweeted yesterday. I said, hey, it's Jared's last show. Um, we're recording. Uh, I said, what film is going to be his swan song? South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. A fitting farewell, don't you think? And then I just said, feel free to send him your love here and I'll share with him tomorrow on the cast. And so I'll just read a couple of these um, just from people sending their love. So this is from uh, Ayo. I, I don't I want to read out all the handles because I don't know if people are like private or something like that. But um, he said, sad that Jared is leaving. He's been the voice of philosophy in my head for the better part of five years. Between you and him, I may not have, or I may have mentioned it before, but you guys sparked a passion for philosophy I never knew I had, and I'm all the better for it. Wishing Jared the best. Um, Alan says, super sad, but I hope Jared does what's best for him. I'm, I'm excited to see what he does next. Spooky Daddy says, gonna miss that ginger. Are you ginger? <laughs> I'm a daywalker. <laughs> um, Brittany says, wishing you all the best, Jared. Wisecrack has always been my go-to pick-me-up and helped inspire me to put all my literary skills to use on the daily. Cheers. Michael says, I'm sad Jared is leaving, but Wisecrack has inspired me. It's one of the reasons I took my education degree and started my tutoring business. I'll never forget that he was willing to talk to me and to help me with a paper on online writing. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Wisecrack. Um, Ab- Abishek TD um, says, "Fuck yes!" I remember Jared claiming that this movie was to be was the truly meta in the Cabin in the Woods podcast. So uh, that's I think it was a perfect swan song. Um, a suspiciously slippery cucumber says, "Please just tell Jared to keep in touch." If his next big career step keeps him online in some capacity, we want to keep supporting his work and the Wisecrack crew. Also, I'd personally love it if he took over Ryan's goodbye from Hollywood, California for a last hurrah. And then Dom commented and said, and as always, peace. Um, Uh. So Mike says, super sad Jared's leaving, but excited for him as he tries something new. Have been loving Wisecrack content for many years now, and it's all started thanks to the man with the crazy hair and a great dog. Um, Thank you. I just got another dog. Oh, so I've got uh, to to yeah to uh, close this chapter of my life and to start a new one. I decided to get another dog. So his name is Dougie Jones Bauer, named after season three of Twin Peaks, which Ryan probably still hasn't seen. Shut up, man. Are they gonna be? Uh, uh, are you gonna have like a dual account for them on Instagram? Yeah, it's gonna be on the same Instagram account. I gotta upload some pictures. He's okay. just he's a little stinker. He's. Uh, Zooming around, peeing and pooping everywhere, and then passing out, and that's just what he does all day. Awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, well, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm literally. I got a couple more. Yeah, I'm literally using all my might not to break down I know. into tears, but I know. Sure. But let me. I, I, I got. I got. Can I get Ryan? Let me just get through a couple more of these, oh, just because they're, it, and then and then I'll and I'll kick it over to you for the final word. Um, but so Christian says, tell him it's been an honor to find people who are not only just as obsessed with the same things that I am, but are infinitely smarter. When I disagree with something that is being said by a guest, I found Jared to be the voice of reason. Now go live your life. Um, Leon says, sad that Jared is leaving, but please let him know that Wisecrack has changed my life. I never knew how much I'd learned from the intersection of philosophy and pop culture and how much it would enrich my life. Plus, he introduced me to the awesome artists like Ryan's Game Show and you. Hell yeah. 
Um, and then I got a few more. Oh, shoot. Okay, so Bobby says, uh, really sad that Jared is leaving, but honestly, I'm just glad and thankful for the work he's done. His work has added so much value to my life. I wish him all the luck in the world for whatever he's going to do um, or whatever is doing. Love, an anonymous fan. Uh, miss seeing your hair. Uh, send Jared all my best. Thank you to him, the guys at Wisecracks, for giving me an insight into philosophy. That's from Casey, the accumulator. And then I got a couple gifts of people crying and cats shaking their heads and all kinds of things. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I hope you know this going forward, that you have literally left an indelible mark on the world for good. And and I hope that you find joy in that, you know. So. Well, I'm, I'm no, I was nothing without my team including you guys. So, I mean, it was it was a team effort. Oh, Captain, my captain. I feel like this is like Dead Poets Society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was there as... I was the third employee. I don't know if any, many people know that. I mean, kind of the first employee, really. Well, okay. Well, that's even better. First employee. I like the sound of that. So, you know, I've seen it from the beginning. And when... I think what? When I started, I think you guys had like 250,000, 300,000 subscribers... And I remember Jacob being like, we need more subscribers yesterday or something like that. And now, dude, what, 2.6 or 7 million? I mean, 2.9. 2.9 million, dude. I remember the 1 million uh, uh, party and then the 2 million parties. So, I mean, it's just the the, the very idea that that every video uh, that Wisecrack's uploading now goes to almost 3 million people's inboxes somewhere, you know, and uh, uh, is fucking awesome. Like, it's grown exponentially. I have never saw that it would get this far. I don't think you did either, but uh, <laughs> it's so fucking awesome that it did. And you're, you know, like, I've known you since since college, obviously. We have, you know, uh, you were my good friend from there, but now you're Jared. And it's cool. <laughs> I like it. It's crazy. And, and, and yeah, it's just, we've had great times, I think. And thanks for taking me along for the ride and thanking me to, uh, to bring me along. It's changed my life for sure. Mm. Yeah, man. Well, thank you guys so much. I mean, that's really all I can say. Austin, you know, uh, love you, man. Uh, I've only met you once, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, uh, that is wild. Yeah. Yeah, I hope you'll stay in touch and reach out when you come back to the uh, to the West Coast. Oh, we're gonna um, make we're gonna make a movie yeah. together one day, Jared. It's gonna fucking happen. Oh, okay, no, awesome. no, a hundred percent. Like there, it's not a maybe. We will make a movie together one day. I wanna. I think my next project is gonna be catapulting Ryan to a kids show phenomenon. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm Cause, there. Cause, uh, Let's go. I'll, Let's go. I'll help yeah. produce. I will help the, produce. The next, the next Ernest P. Worrell is fucking Ryan. <laughs> Let's and, do it. And, and he just needs the right producer. <laughs> right. John Cherry, I think, was the director's name or something like that. Okay. Well, guys, I appreciate it. And to, ev- and to everyone who's writing in, thank you very much. Um, You're the man, dude. It's, 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 been my, you know, it's been my life's work, and I'm super proud of it. And, uh, it should be. I, of course, it would be nothing without the fans. So thank you to everyone who's ever tuned in, anyone who's ever written into the podcast, anyone who's ever left us a voicemail, which you can still do at 213-534-8807. Um, of course, all of our patrons, super, super big thank you to you guys. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll keep you guys in touch with what I'm doing next. I don't really know what that is right now, other than Feeding raising doggy. a dog, yeah. raising a dog. Yeah. If you could give, and, if you could give people one final, like, like maybe like a book or like some media to consume, what are things that have really impacted you in your journey? Cause you weren't a philosopher 
when you started this, but you have, no. you have learned so much. Like who are either some names or a book or some media, like what has, what has helped you the most kind of navigate Jared's final thoughts? Yeah. Um, you know, I think when I first started out, it was like a lot of being really inspired by Nietzsche and, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and then kind of as I've been doing it more and more, I've been more inspired by Dostoevsky and uh, like recently, the, you know, to be honest, I read a lot last year and I have not been reading a lot this year. But one of the books that I read at the end of last year, I think maybe even Austin recommended it was Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, which I really, really loved and has inspired a lot of thought. Mm. Um, and uh but no, I mean, I would say, honestly, like, the best thing I ever did was just find a really good, accessible, introductory text to philosophy that just gets you really excited about it. Like, I, I mean, I read a short or a brief introduction to philosophy or a brief history of philosophy by uh, Robert Solomon. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I had uh, pages highlighted in that book and annotated, and that book would... Uh, you know, lead me to the original source material text. And that book inspired, you know, like the first 30 episodes of 8-Bit Philosophy. And so I really encourage people, you know, there are some people who, you know, the craziest thing is that some people who watch Wisecrack and stuff, it's been around long enough to where there have been people who got interested in philosophy because of Wisecrack and then studied philosophy and now have degrees and now they know way more than I do. So... Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. So, I mean, I'm still plugging the introductory text as a way to find the original text and to really expand on what you find most interesting. But that's really been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Um, the last thing I want to say is that if anything sparks passion, you know, me and Jacob came into this trying to make a media business. And obviously it wasn't the smartest thing in the world to focus on philosophy but that was where my passion was, and I think it ultimately rewarded us by just chasing what what you are passionate about. So, um, you know, there were many, many times during this journey where I was very tempted to make content that was a little bit easier to make, that was a little bit more vapid. I know many people who are much more financially successful than I am who made stuff that borders on fake news and, um, you know... I would say just resist that temptation as much as you can because I think that ultimately you'll be rewarded with something much more important if you just chase what you believe in and what you're passionate about. Well, that's what's so awesome about what you've built, dude, is that you, you've made this very entertaining and credible site and brand or whatever you want to call it. Like, uh, uh, you know that every Wisecrack video, a ton of time was put into researching this stuff. It, maybe not these show me the meetings where we'll watch the movie and I'll just say whatever I think about, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like the, your average video on this site takes a lot more, uh, man hours, brain power, research and stuff than, than a lot of other uh, things. And so, and, and then, uh, more importantly, I think is that people relate to you personally as a uh, people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Jared's out there that see you and see how you kind of think and how you present these videos and these ideas and these breakdowns and they relate to you. And I think that, uh, that that's a testament to, you know, or you can see that in the subscribers and the views and the, all these comments and touch a lot of people. So thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well, I think we're going to close it out. 
Um, so, uh, thanks everybody. Uh, you know, and, and like some people have reached out to me on Instagram and I, I've tried to respond to everybody and people, one person said to me, like, I can't imagine a world without Jared, re uh, being on the matrix four episode. Don't worry. I'll probably butt my way back in and do like a guest <laughs> appearance for some, for something like that. Yes. So don't worry. So don't worry. I'll probably make an appearance every now and then. That sounds good. But, uh, all right, you want me to do the goodbye? I, I think uh, it's all yours, yeah. brother. All right, goodbye from Hollywood, California. All right, peace, guys.